Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. And joining me from a very safe social distance is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA. Man. Just man. Joining us from a home, the only parts of which are underwater are the parts that are supposed to be. Director of Mission USA Productions, <laughs> Jed Brewer. I'm, I'm not as damp as I was a week ago. <laughs> hey. Joining us all the way from Oak Ridge, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. Finally, everybody on this podcast knows how it feels to be me. <laughs> <laughs> there was there was a mold situation. The given the the collectively short time of being in our current residences, I didn't even think about that. I was thinking about people recording the show remotely. Oh, oh. I forgot about Moldgate. Yeah, by the time that when my house exploded, yeah, and the water damage tried to poison it. your children. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's been a for people who've been in their current domiciles not that long can, collectively. There's been a lot of uh, catastrophes of the flooding variety yeah. and the trees falling on things variety, and uh, you know we're all just gonna hunker down and hope for the best. Which is mainly great. humidity is the enemy of this podcast. Yes, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> well, they say shelter in place, and then it starts to flood in your place. <laughs> eh, it gets pretty dark. D- dive on in, Glenn. Dive into safety. That's what they say. <laughs> yeah. It's a real catch-22. You can't catch the virus if you're underwater because you can't breathe in. that's right it's perfectly safe (laughs) perfectly safe we are back we appreciate you hanging you uh hanging through the uh the best of last week because again a natural disaster hit in the middle of our pandemic like literally 15 (laughs) minutes before we're sitting down to record and at some point you have to you have to just go ahead and relent before the lightning comes for you directly yeah. Punt team, punt team. Yeah. <laughs> we, we had a, a we have a drain by our back door and to drain water away, water was pushing up to a waist high level shooting up that drain. And good times. Uh, that was not good for the overall mood. Was there a beast with 10 horns at a certain point? If I'd seen him, I would have been like, dude, I don't even have time for you right now. Grab a bucket or get out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. It, it was, it, I, when I opened my back door, it was like that scene from Carrie. It was just a okay. wall of water. <laughs> oh. yeah. So, uh, so yeah, we're, we're dry now and very thankful for that. Indeed, we are thankful for that. We are going to push through with a hopefully normal episode. Who knows what kind of calamities might befall us once we have hit record. But we're going to go ahead and do our best. We've got some great questions. But first, I must declare an I didn't know you could do that emergency. Wow. And oh. I like to think that we've thought about every inane, crazy, wackadoo idea that a Christian person, celebrity could do to milk money out of people. But we had something happen in the last couple of weeks that outdrew even our own imagination. Whoa. And in this case, it was that I think several, but certainly one very prominent Christian author, put out a book about faith and the coronavirus during the coronavirus. Wow. wow. Okay. That's so, what you call a, a rush job. 
Yeah, beyond <laughs> the amount of uh, praying and thinking, I'm sure went through the three weeks it took to get that from initial concept to printed. Um, and I, but I don't want to mock. I want to look to a visionary. I want to pit to have us collectively come up with some ideas of horrible things we think could happen oh. that we can kind of go ahead and pre-write the book for mm. and maybe have kind of a copy-paste ready okay. and just there kind of go. hit, like, here we go, boom, okay. giant, you know, giant kaiju is attacking. Right. You probably want to, you probably <laughs> worry about what that means for your theology. Right. right. Yes. Aren't you lucky this book has the answer? Is Mothra in the book of Job? Yes. Right. Yes. <laughs> it's very good. Instead of a plague of a million locusts, it's just one giant one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you know, I think, uh, you know, part of one strategy we could employ that might be a real time saver is do one of those, like, fill-in-the-blank type of deals. Okay. A Mad Lib? Okay. Oh. Yeah. yeah, that's right, like a Mad Lib. That could be the the whole thing. We don't even have to know what the disaster is. <laughs> Just a, a 180 page Mad Lib with a cross on the front of yeah, it. Yeah, it's it's like a finish your own theology book. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I like that. <laughs> well, I like the idea of just kind of having pl- platitudes that are universally applicable, but pretending that they're really about this thing that everyone's talking about. Sure. Well, sure. well yeah. And, and don't you think most Christians deep down suspect they might be a little smarter than the guy who wrote this book? Yeah. You know, so you get to fill in the bits yourself and feel like uh, you know, you helped them bring it home. Sure, like absolutely. That. I was co write. That's right. <laughs> it's kind of, you know, there's like a, you used to have these things. I'm sure there's a, a much more technological digital equivalent where. It's like you'd had a, a VHS, but there's like you could send in a picture of your kid and they'd like paste it in. So it's, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, the fire trucks day out starring Ricky. We could do that. Yes. But, you know, you can also write in written by G.K. Chesterton and you. There you go. <laughs> That's a winner of an idea right there. Wow, dude. And then a number of Christian dudes would start by heavy air quotes, ironically, putting that in their Twitter bio. And then over time, <laughs> the irony would fall away, and it would stay there. Yeah. yeah. Mm. That's, well, that's, that's a moneymaker right there. Well, I think I may have a, a way we can continue to just you know, milk all the cash out of disasters. Sweet. So, that's important. Well, well, that's what you need to do, um, is to combine the disaster with other things that are pretty much awful and manipulative. So, for example, how do you maintain purity during the coronavirus? Oh, that's excellent. See? See? Or, Or alternately, naming it and claiming it during a pandemic. Right. We we take... Right. Right, we take two things that are terrible and we just sandwich them together. Well, yeah, maybe they'll cancel each other out. But you know what they're going to result in is cold, hard cash. Oh, well, I think the main thing is to like, if you're afraid of something, that we take that and say, yeah, probably, yeah, let's do that. Yeah, be afraid. Be afraid. And here's 10 easy steps on how you can deal with that. Step one, buy this book. 
That's right. Step one, buy the book. You know, you got to get the companion study guide if you want to get the most out of it, though, Jeff. Well, that's step two, obviously. Yeah. You know, here's what it is, too, is people out there, they're like dealing with struggles and whatnot. And the the main thing what that we need is a poorly thought out response. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> we just immediately jot off. I don't know. People who listen to this don't perhaps know this, but... If 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 you were signed to a book deal, and the publisher said, "I this is great, I want to do this," and you wrote sixteen hours a day, and wrote at this book, and then they immediately began the editing process, and then handing you the rewrites, and you worked on that sixteen hours a day, and then they scheduled it for appropriate uh, publication date, and so forth. If that took less than a year, that would be a miracle of uh, logistics. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're talking about a couple of months. That's, uh, you know, you know, that, you know, I'm not sure about that, man. <laughs> well, I think there's also an inverse uh, to go off Jed's very good idea and Glenn's uh, excellent, always applicable conversation contribution of be afraid to kind yeah. of take the uh the evening the local evening news okay uh, model you know is th- do you have five things in your kitchen that could kill your children probably <laughs> tune in tonight at six to find out <laughs> right right so we take that and as opposed to there's this giant thing that's happening that's probably bad we just try to convince you to be scared of small things oh, oh. i like that like are your utens is your choice in utensils leading you to sin in your heart Okay, maybe that's good. That's Who good. knows? Who knows? It could yeah. be happening. Or you just take the things that, that the Christians are most desperate and afraid about and just make that the thing. So, But, like, totally inane things that don't have anything to do with their theology or anything that matters, like, uh, you know, are they out to get Chick-fil-A? Oh, yeah. Oh. yeah. And just go ahead and have that book ready to go. So if any hiccup happens with the corporation, bam, you just throw the book in the market. Yeah, you're right. Rock. You you got to know how to time these things so that if mm. anything happens, you're you're ready to go. You're ready to cash in on that sweet sweet zeitgeist. Yeah. <laughs> Working okay, title: about- The Chicken and the Lamb. Oh, <laughs> dude, well done, well done. That's very good. Wow. Okay, here's my next pitch. It's it's an intentionally weaponized book that's meant. It's not meant for you to read it. It's meant for you to send to people you don't like. All right. Oh, title. Oh, wow. The coronavirus happened because of your secret sin. And yeah. the whole thing is a massive guilt trip. But again, it's not meant for you to read it. It's meant for you to send it to people you don't like. Well, now, look, we're talking about wow. a di- like an ebook, right? Right. Sure. Okay. Well, surely you can just like order it specifically to the person. This right. is what I'm saying. Like your Dude. next door neighbor refuses to cut his grass. Right, right. So you just enter that into some sort of a text box and it exactly just swaps right. it in there. And the puts coronavirus it in happened because of your poor stewardship with your grass. Boom. Yeah, it's all. It, 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 if you happen to have not cut your grass, you may have caused the coronavirus. Absolutely. See, chap- see chapter 12 or whatever I, it is. I, I also like the idea of kind of a Mission Impossible style thing where you you send somebody an ebook and then you have somebody on the other end that changes that's like live changing the copywriting yeah. 
as yeah. it's, as they're reading it. You know, yeah, so yeah. Like, whatever beef you have with that person, that's just that's just getting changed in real time. You know, like as the bad guys looking at the list of of accomplices, the the faces are being changed. Yes. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I think we've got the, the coronavirus technology. happened because I stole John's parking spot. Wow, that's surprising, <laughs> but it's right here in the book. Who might argue? That's right. That's it. Well, I think the key monetization aspect on that particular idea will be us pairing with divorce lawyers. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think all of these, we yeah. can just go ahead and pre-write the coronavirus happened because insert name here does not empty the dishwasher in the correct way. Yeah, there it is. There it yeah. is. Yeah, could we uh, could we also get in-laws on that? Yes. Because now you got to ripe, uh, you know what I mean? I think this is a license to print money, gentlemen. Also, yeah. but you're also talking about a license to alter behavior. I mean, could you use this for good? Uh, the coronavirus happened because you didn't send enough baked goods to your next-door neighbor. Oh. Or your favorite podcast. Hello. <laughs> Yet one more evil thing. We start out as a joke, and then Glenn just does. <laughs> <laughs> sure is hard to dispense wisdom when you're hungry. <laughs> Remember eight minutes ago when we were uh, castigating someone else for using coronavirus to their own material gain? Well, here we are. Well, yeah, this you is know, familiar. <laughs> put, I'm, like I'm going to put two things together: lack of baked goods, flooded basement. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> is that a coincidence? It could it even be a coincidence? Do, what do those words even mean? We're yeah. trying to we're trying to tell people about the words of the one who called himself the bread of life. Oh, whoa! Wow. Whoa! Absolutely. And, and then then there's like floods. What's next? Like a famine of not baked goods? I mean, yeah. where does it end, people? Yeah. You know, so I don't know. Is there any way, fellas, that people can prevent the next Ragnarok by somehow, <laughs> um, I don't know, like sending in. I mean, is it too late to send in baked goods, fellas? Or to leave well, a review? Or yeah. to leave a review. Yeah. Or both. Or both. Or, you know, like if you're on social media, you know, forward a link and tell all your friends that it's really right. great and that we don't guilt people or anything like that. <laughs> okay, okay. So. I was willing to put up with the sacrilege. I was willing to put up with the, the guilting. I was willing to put up with the, I think, an excellent sidestep by Glenn that if you guilt people to give you something so that the world tree of pagan theology isn't destroyed. <laughs> I don't think that can technically be sacrilege, which is a right, really right. expert move. But Glenn just got us very close to being the, if you really love such and such, you would forward this to 10 of your friends on Facebook. And that's where I draw the line. Yeah. I don't think we can be involved in that. I think we've officially gone too far. The podcast pyramid scheme. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, in the arms just, just an oil painting of Glenn. Glenn saw you scroll past without sharing the podcast. <laughs> oh, That's there right. it is. That's there right. it is. A little tear descending. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Glenn probably won't get an even a single share. <laughs> That's right. Yes, before we all officially devolve into being Facebook ants, we're going to go ahead and declare. 
emergency off. Wow. Yes, we. Uh, so you know, it's going great. It's going. Uh, it's, you know, we're we're all hanging in. Um, we continue to luckily uh, be able to bring you not only say that from our homes, the unflooded parts of our homes, but also yes. the bridge every week. Yes. yes, we are doing continuing our bridge cast every Tuesday, seven thirty. PM Chicago time. If you check our social uh, medias, you might even find a graphic that has where that is in different places of the world. And if you check our Instagram, you'll find the one where I corrected the uh, spelling of Stockholm from the Facebook one after uh, Brother Jacob from Scandinavia informed me that I messed that one up pretty bad. So, you know, not an act of aggression. Merely an act of not knowing how to use the software. Xenophobia. Yep. Uh, we get a, big, a strong oh chance to do some more double uh, checking on the grammar that goes into Bridgebox, which is very important. Um, so that comes out every beginning of every month, only $8 a month, missionusa.com slash Bridgebox. We've had some folks signing up. We appreciate that very much. It's a great way to get a little extra content and support the work we do. All right, we are going to jump to our first question here. We're going to things are going to be a slightly different on this show this week. Not as different as last week, but uh, to give you folks a little peek behind the curtain, uh, we do try to mix up the questions pretty pretty significantly because the idea is maybe you don't uh, maybe dating questions are not relevant to your life or church questions or uh, you know parenting questions or whatever. But the idea is hopefully. We speak uh, broadly enough to things that they, you get some out of it. And if not, you can skip ahead 15 minutes and there's going to be something coming for you. But, oh, did we have several questions come in on a theme. Mm. What theme was that, Matt? That theme was crazy crap that people keep <laughs> posting to social media and maybe sharing with their relatives. So uh, we're going to look at one particular question that came in. And again, we had quite a few. And then we're going to uh, parse it from several different angles. It's also a wide-ranging enough question that we didn't want to give it short shrift by only giving it a, a quarter of an episode. So this week, on Say That, we're talking conspiracy theories. Oh. Done, done, done! So here's the, the initial question that came in, and we'll, we'll pull the sub-questions out of it. It says, I'm having a lot of trouble with anxiety fielding all of the conspiracy theories out there. Any advice on how to navigate those? People at work are constantly talking about it. Family members are sending articles, lots of fear and anxiety that I'm going to miss the mark on something and be lost forever. And then I realize that doesn't line up with God's character at all, but I'm feeling pulled in several different directions. So obviously conspiracy theory is not a new thing, but it, we were talking before we hit record here. It certainly seems that our current situation with the, the, the COVID and the stay-at-home orders and all sorts of other crazy crap have maybe supercharged some conspiratorial thinking. So we want to start off with the practical here. And so the first question we're going to look at is, how should I think about conspiracy theories that cross my path? Should I research them? Should I ignore them? Some conspiracies are true. So is it wrong to just dismiss thing out, dismiss something out of hand? And Glenn, where would you kick us off here? Well, uh, for sure, uh, I've been fielding a number of these lately, because uh, they kind of, uh, this is the kind of stuff that people ask to pastors, and then they do their best with, but, you know, over time, it kind of wears them down, and then some of them kind of start like, maybe they have a point, I don't know, and then then that comes to me where it's like, uh, let's, you know, we, we it, it felt this week like 
a little bit of reality was bleeding together with the emergency segments on this podcast. So that's <laughs> Never not is. good. Yeah. So the first thing is to recognize for all of us, we take our sense of reality from the people that are around us. Uh, that's, we like to think of ourselves as fiercely independent thinkers and, you know, I, I figure out things for myself and so on, but a huge chunk of what we know and what we believe and what we pass on to others is just stuff we've heard first, you know, from one person and then just immediately pass it on without checking on it, without whatever. Uh, so it's important for us to pay really close attention to who we're listening to. And before we pass those things on, before we repeat them, that we do a little work of figuring out whether there's anything to it. Uh, second of all, I think it, there's actually a, a lot of technical stuff behind uh, how com conspiracy theories work. Uh, and I think one of them is the idea of uh, pattern recognition. It's a very simple idea here. I had a psychology professor in college, and he wrote the word "dog" on the on the chalkboard in big letters. And he took and he said, "Okay, what does this say?" And little gal down front said, "Well, it's, it says dog." And he took the eraser and he just erased bits and pieces of the letters to where it was just a a series of squiggles. And he said, okay, now what does it say? And she said, well, it says dog. And he says, no, that's just a bunch of squiggles. Your brain knit that together because you'd seen it before. And that's what's called pattern recognition. It's our brains have an ability to fill in the gaps and draw connections in that way. And it's an important part of just basic intelligence. The problem with that, of course, is when we form patterns out of things that don't connect and don't belong together so that we feel like we're being smart right in the moment when we're being dumb about something. And so being able to navigate that's important. Uh, I think it's also important to look at, uh, particularly when I'm talking to pastors, it's the attitude is we have to fight these lies with the truth. We got to get the truth out there, and we got to engage in a protracted battle, and we have to fight and we'll get a fight going, and you say your thing, and I'm going to fight you with my truth in your face. Are you going to drop truth bombs? Yeah. Th that's that's a, just the harder you pull on your end of the rope, the harder they're going to pull on theirs. That, that, we don't fight lies with truth. We fight lies with love. Uh, I think we're going to find out as we look at this that a lack of love has a lot to do with why people get caught up in this kind of stuff. Final point on all of this, uh, no esoteric knowledge. That means um, the if you're telling me you know something that's hidden, that you know something that's secret, uh, inherently I'm not going to be comfortable with that, uh, particularly if it touches on any element of theology whatsoever. 100% of what, uh, of, of truth and uh, uh, the, the deep reality of how the world works has been given to all of us. Yeah, if you dude. want we wisdom, you go to God, you get wisdom. When somebody wants to say, I got a secret prophecy, I got a secret knowledge, any of those things, that should be setting off a huge alarm bell on your dashboard. Hebrews 13, 8 and 9 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. 
Don't let all kinds of strange teachings lead you astray. Mm. It is good that God's grace makes our hearts strong. Let's stick with the basics. Let's stick with the truth. The truth. An unchanging God who says all of this is about grace. It begins with grace. It ends with grace. Don't let all kinds of strange teachings lead you astray. It's a really, really great point. That's the perfect place to start this off. Leah, I'd love to go to you here because um, one of the things that and maybe this is is new to the the current uh, climate of last few years. Uh, maybe it's new to the pandemic. Maybe it's just an internet thing. It does seem that, uh, particularly like if you have family members or whatever, that there's a, an aggression to conspiracy theories that maybe hasn't been there before in the sense of you know maybe uncle terry always kind of <laughs> believed uh, aliens were a thing and wanted to watch ancient aliens your ass but there was never like if you said i don't know about aliens and you're like well you just haven't done the research right so uh, there, and again that is something as glenn pointed out i think it's a very important point we all everybody wants to feel that they are informed wants to feel that they uh, have thought through their opinions so this idea of you you can't just dismiss this because you haven't uh, considered it, you haven't given it fair shake. How do we deal with that? That's a really, that's a really good question, man. I think one of the things that's funny about the internet is the things that are cool about it are also the things that are kind of dangerous about it. So, you know, it's a cool thing that now uh, a, 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 a singer that nobody's ever heard of can put a, a song on on Twitter and everybody can share it around, and 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 then uh, you know this dude can could tip over and, and, and a lot of people could hear like a really cool song without a big record label or something like that. Something like that could happen. Or, you know, somebody shares an idea and it, and it catches fire because anybody can put something out there and, uh, and, and you can find an audience, but the same, the, that thing that's cool about the internet equals a thing that's bad about it, which is, you know, conspiracy theories, they're basically like fan fiction. I mean, anybody could make up anything and just put it out there. And and this there's a really good point that Glenn was making early in his in his answer, which is you know that we we like to believe that we are these independent thinkers, but the truth is that there's a certain threshold over which the people in your life, if they are sharing and talking about and excited about something, you're going to start to listen to it and give it some weight. And so there's a there's a way that ideas can kind of do that on the internet as well. For me, one of the things that I like to keep in mind is the idea that, that I think one of the things that's so attractive about things like conspiracy theories is, is just this thing that everybody wants to think that they know the thing. Everybody wants to be like, I found this out. Have you seen this yet? Oh my gosh, let me tell you about this. And now I've got your attention and now I've got the floor. And now I'm the person that's enlightening everybody else in the room or whatever it is. We do this with everything. We do this about the new restaurant on the block. We do this about the new the new show that's on the streaming service, whatever the thing is. Let me tell you what I have found out. Um, one of the things that can be a that can help you in the midst of an age like that where you know, anybody can make up anything, anybody can share it to whomever, and, and that kind of thing can catch fire really quickly, and so nonsense can become something that everybody's talking about, is the idea of humility. The, the, 
the thing inside us is I want to be the person who knows. And that goes all the way up to the news organizations and outlets who are trying to make, trying to make money off of clicks and shares and all that kind of stuff. They want the scoop in the same way. That goes from individuals to organizations. So if we are intentional about the, about the, uh, the, the godly virtue in place of that, which is humility, I don't want to say the opposite of that, because as we talk about on this show a lot, the opposite of a bad idea is a bad, is a bad idea. But when we look at the godly virtue that would push back on that idea of, I'd love, I'd love to be the person who knows, that virtue is humility. Um, you know what? I don't know. And I don't need to figure it all out. And I don't need to have all of the answers about a, about a confusing thing or whatever. And I think that's a good place to start with some of these things of like, I don't have to research everything in and in and out to find out what the, what the true answer is. Because l- like we're saying, somebody could just flat make something up. It's not researchable. You, you can't really get to the bottom of something that's just complete and total nonsense. But having that attitude in your own heart of like, I know that I will be tempted to, be, to want to be in the know. If I'm intentionally pushing back on that with a whole lot of humility, then I might guard myself from getting taken in by some of these things. It's a really, really good point. Jed, I'd love to get you to close us out on, on this aspect of this. And I think part of what we're, what we're laying on here is what is due process on one of these things? You know, you see a thing or somebody brings something up to you. What is healthy and what do you owe to how much space should you give that in your life? I think is maybe a good way to look at this. That's a great question. Well, let's let's look at kind of due process to begin with. And this is going to go right along with what Lee is talking about and what Glenn is talking about. Um, One of the things that is often in our culture very, very lacking is the willingness to, and this is a humility thing, the willingness to say, I don't know enough about this topic to really make a determination um, but there are other people that I trust who, who do and have actual qualifications and they say it is X and I'm going to go with that. Um, it, it turns out at the end of the day to garner an expertise in anything is a lot of work. So, and it takes a lot of time. So there's yeah. no, yeah, there, there's no one who can be expert at everything. Um, I mean, there's, there's just no such thing as that. And, and I, I know we all know this, but it does need to be repeated because it's really germane to this topic. Researching something on Google does not make you an expert at it like at all. Um, I mean, it, it can be handy if you need to figure out how to, oh, I don't know, um, patch some drywall in your house, but actually as an example, um, if you figured out from Google how to patch drywall in your house, that doesn't mean you're basically a general contractor. Right. Let's these are these are two different things. So I think having the humility to say I don't, you know, I don't know anything about this, not really really and and therefore I'm going to find people who actually do who again who have, you know, who are qualifications and and whatnot and I'm going to defer to that. That's that's a good thing. But the other thing Matt that you put it is is kind of what how much room do we want to give this stuff in our lives? And I think the answer is very very little, but I think we want to get to that in a good way. And and here's what I mean is I want you to think about a a what-if scenario. And and the what-if is what if your life 
was so full of good and engaging stuff that you just didn't have room for nonsense. Okay, dude. Yeah. I really want you to think about that because the vast majority of people that you know who are really into conspiracy theories do not have lives they feel good about. Yeah. They, do, they do not have passions that they're pursuing. They don't have a network of really healthy, vibrant relationships. Their lives in general are pretty empty, and they're looking for something to give them a sense of meaning, a sense of significance, a sense of belonging. And you can preempt that in your own life by building a life worth having. Um, a life where you serve other people, a life where you build a, a real network of relationships, a life where you have hobbies and interests and things that you're into. And if you do that, you it's not just that you, you know, yes, you need a strategy for when someone comes along with the latest conspiracy theory. But in a sense, you kind of have uh, an inoculation against it because there's just no room for nonsense. That's right. There's something very powerful about getting to a point where you have a list of good stuff that you're trying to figure out how to fit in um, that you're not sure there's quite room for, which means there's definitely no room for nonsense. So if you can dig it, I have a list a mile long of movies that I want to watch and records that I want to listen to and books that I want to read that I'm confident are going to be amazing when I, when I get to them. If you come to me and you say, you should spend three hours reading this Google link about how the mole men actually rule the world. Dude, I'm not going to do that, A, because that's nonsense, and there's no way I would do it. But also, <laughs> it's at the bottom of the list of all of the movies on the Criterion Collection and all of these amazing records that I want to listen to and all these fantastic books that I want to read. My slate is full, man. Right. Um, I, I've just got better things to think about and better things to do and better things to contemplate. And it turns out that's a really valuable, really powerful place to be. And we want to encourage you to build a life that has that quality to it. We certainly do. Uh, gl ironically, Glenn's list of movies, books, and records he wants to get to all involve mole men. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's really a theme he's leaning into in his artistic uh, consumption. And uh, all, what all those guys uh, said was was really great. And I want to tack one thing on there, and it, it ties into all, really points they all made, which is one of the, the big important things when someone brings up something, that if we want to broaden out the idea of a conspiracy theory to just a conspiracy. So an actual definition of conspiracy is people getting together to make something happen, right? Cons people are conspiring. So certainly that has happened in the world. Certainly that has happened in, in odd ways. You know, you can look up you know, weird CIA stuff or whatever. Here's, here's the, the crux of it is always, so what? Yeah. What does this have to do with me? Because even on ones that are, are, are big, you could, there's probably one takeaway that you could actually apply to a small sector of your life. So let's take something that is, is documented out the wazoo, the, the Tuskegee experiments, the United States Government, United States military, intentionally infected African-American men with uh, syphilis, I believe it was, up until the 70s. So there's that. What does that mean for our lives? Well, not too much day-to-day. -day. It means we should, when maybe someone who is of an ethnic minority talks about how they're disadvantaged in government systems, we should listen to that. Because yep. there's a paper trail of those things. Right. But one of the hallmarks of the kind of the Facebook the Facebook YouTube conspiracy theory is that there's always something really important and really bad coming soon. Ooh. Because we've got the virus and they want you to wear the mask and you say, okay, I, I bought a mask on Amazon. It was $4. 
Um, it's probably pretty good health practice to wear a mask anyway, because you know people sneeze in your mouth at the at the Kroger and whatnot. So what is this? this it's literally an extra 20 seconds in my week, much less my day. Oh, but what you don't understand is if people start putting on the mask now, that means next year when Hitler too runs for president, <laughs> they'll know that you'll be, and it just, it always ends on Hitler too, the clone of Hitler uh, coming back. And, but there's no like the, the impact it has on one's life is all, emotional and all narrative and all giving these guys kind of a simulation of life and meaning, which all these guys pointed to. So if we want to look at something of how much does a conspiracy theory uh, apply to my life? Interestingly, whether it's true or not, the answer is probably not that much. And if it's not true, the answer is definitely none. It is, you know, it is fan fiction as, as Lee was saying, this is this person's hobby. Yep. If someone posted about comic, the same comic book 10 times a day on Facebook, you wouldn't think, well, maybe Thor is real. <laughs> you would think this person likes posting about Thor. And that's the, the same with other stuff. And speaking of posting about these things left, right, and center, that brings us to question two. How should I think and feel about my family and friends who are sharing this stuff? What, if anything, should I say to them? And Lee, I'd love for you to kick us off here. This is a great question, and and it it really kind of goes down to some the, the kinds of things that we talk about often, even outside of the idea of conspiracy theory, and that's the idea of boundaries. Um, one of the things to remember with the conspiracy theory thing is it's not just like like if if you've you you think all conspiracy theories are totally wacky or whatever, um, like that doesn't mean that every single person who has looked into them or read about them or anything like that is completely out of left field. I mean, some very well-meaning and very intelligent people get taken in by these kinds of things all the time. As Glenn was saying, as we were talking about in the last question, there is a threshold where, um, where like if enough people are talking about a thing, you will give it some weight and, and, uh, and start to kind of lean into it. Um, we've probably all been to those kind of, uh, dinner parties where everybody's talking about a thing and you're like, yeah, that sounds completely plausible and it's total nonsense. Well, uh, that being said with our, with our friends and family who are sharing this kind of stuff, we need to treat them with compassion. We need to treat them with understanding, understanding that, that we could be those people who get taken in by some of this stuff too, especially if we have a, if we had a specific reason to be afraid of a specific thing or a specific reason to have anxiety about a specific issue. Um, but within that, um, the thing that I would say is this becomes a boundary issue in the sense that you don't want um, people in your family that you're spending time with or people that, that, um, that you care about to be, um, to be bringing up things that, that bring tension or anxiety into the hangouts, into the family time, um, into the friendship time. And so that just becomes the kinds of conversations with boundaries that we've talked about so many times before. And just as a reminder, or if it's, if you're a new listener, when you set up a boundary, uh, first of all, every relationship, every healthy relationship has boundaries in it. And when you set up a boundary, you are not telling the person that you're in the relationship with what they are going to do. You are uh, making it clear what you will and will not do. You are describing what your behavior is going to be. Um, and so if you 
you know, get into a situation like that, it would be perfectly fine um, just to have some language to say, you know what, I love you. And this relationship means a lot to me. I love being with you. I love spending time with you. But I would really love for us to dodge these specific topics. Like, I, I want us to dodge the, the politics, and I want us to dodge the, you know, whatever, whatever. And I just want us to hang out and talk about other stuff uh, because I love being with you and I love you. And that's a really gentle and respectful way to kind of make it clear um, these are the things that we'll talk about, and these are the things that we're not going to talk about. And, you know, hopefully you don't have to say the word, um, you know, alien airports or something like that when you're setting up the boundary, but who knows? Um, you know, it, it, it may be one of those situations, but yeah, these are, this becomes kind of a boundary deal. Um, again, these are situations where people like it's, it's almost like an infectious thing to feel like I know something that nobody's ever known or I found something out that everybody needs to hear. But it's totally fine for you in the middle of that situation to say, hey, I love you and I love being with you. I don't really want to talk about that stuff. Let's talk about you. Let's talk about, let's talk about our lives. It's totally fine to lay down a boundary like that. It absolutely is. And Jed, I think uh, to tie in exactly with what Lee's saying there, Part of the the effective creation of boundaries and guiding those conversations, those interactions, is going to tie into what you were talking about earlier with focusing on an actual good full life, right? Dude, no question about it. I actually want to pick up exactly where Lee left off, which is to say, look, I'm not going to be talking with you about the Mullman Uprising. Um, that's just – I don't do that. But, dude um, – uh, I've got this super cool movie I've been meaning to watch. Let's make some nachos and let's watch the super cool movie. Let's, I'd love to have you join me. Now, it turns out, of course, that if people can't abide by the boundary, um, you know, if they insist that they're going to interrupt the super cool movie with musings on the mole men, then, you know, we are going to have to enforce the boundary and, and that's the end of movie time. But I think helping people... I, I would say there's two things that you want to invite people to join you in. One is real, actual fun, and the second is real, actual meaning. Because uh, I, I think that a lot of people who who get into the conspiracy stuff are um, incredibly deprived of both. So um, uh, it, it's it's been a little bit of a challenging week for Hallie and I, but last night we decided we're having movie night. Um, we're putting on, we watched the second Jumanji movie with pops and popcorn and it was awesome, man. It was great. It was super, super fun. People need actual fun. This is one of the things about the conspiracy theory stuff is it's really stimulating, but it is not fun. Something that I learned from Glenn that is super, super smart. And it really applies here is something that is stimulating, but not satisfying is the prescription for obsessive behavior. And I want to say that again because I really want you to think about that. Something that is stimulating but not satisfying is how you wind up with obsessive behavior. And that's what you're looking at with this, con- with this conspiracy theory stuff. It's super stimulating. It's so – it's the most stimulating. But it's not satisfying it's at all. It's what they don't want you to know. It's what they don't want you to know. But just like <laughs> – just like Matt was pointing out at the end of the of the last question, it doesn't go anywhere. It can't be satisfying because there is no so what. It turns out, it's funny that this would be true, but watching Jumanji is satisfying in a way that no conspiracy theory ever could be. It's just fun. It's just good. You, you should take a break from worrying and you should do that. 
But the second thing, so the first thing is fun. The second thing is actual meaning. And here's the thing is there are a certain number of conspiracy theories that are pretty popular right now that in a weird way focus on the fact that other people are suffering. Right. So like one of the common conspiracy theories that, that you may or may not have heard about, but is uh, you may have heard the term Pizzagate. And, and part of the idea is that there's this uh, trade uh, that involves the sexual exploitation of children. All right. Um, we're, we're not getting into anything related to Pizzagate on this show. But but here is the important part. There are children being taken advantage of in the town that you live in. Some of that may involve sexual stuff. Some of it doesn't. But there are for sure kids who are being taken advantage of and having terrible experiences in the town that you live in. And you can actually do something about that right now today. You can get involved in the YMCA. You can get involved in Big Brothers Big Sisters. You can get involved in the Boys and Girls Club. You can get involved in the middle school outreach at your local church or the youth group or young life. You can get involved in campus life. There's a million ways that you can get involved and actually help a real live human being who is going through some kind of struggle right now today. You can do that and it will help them and it will be meaningful to you, which will be amazing. I think one of the great lies that we buy into, and and a lot of people struggle with this, is I'm passing around all this conspiracy theory stuff online and that's part of how I fight back against all the evil. But you're not accomplishing anything with that, dude. You are literally doing nothing. You're not accomplishing anything. You're not creating any meaning of any kind. You taking an hour and going and volunteering with the Boys and Girls Club, that's meaningful. That's an actual thing. This is a good thing that makes the world a better place. And so we want to invite people to join us on the actually fun stuff and on the actually meaningful stuff, too. And to the extent that they can abide by the boundaries like Lee was talking about, they can join in and have a much, much better life. That's all fantastic stuff. I, I love the track these guys have us on. Glenn, where would you close us out? Well, you know, similar to these fellows, I, I got a number of questions this week from uh, from people, and and in my case, it was it was more pastors that were asking me about it. And one of them called me up and he said, you know, uh, you know, just have had a number of interactions, some you know, with people close to me and and so forth. And, uh, you know, it just kind of the crazy got deeper and deeper and deeper and the sort of the anger and the tension got higher and higher and higher. And um, and I just don't know how, you know, how did I get here? And I said, well, OK, brother, um, I know you. So I'm, I'm going to now uh, give you my guess as to how we got here. They came and told you something, cuckoo bananas. You heard that, and you said, huh, that's interesting. Let's explore that and see if we can find some common ground and uh, see how uh, what we might all learn from this experience. <laughs> and uh, th- when you did that and said that, you made everything horribly, horribly, horribly terrible. And, of course, he's laughing by the end because that's exactly what he did. Uh, so resist errors to uh, find common ground and placate people on these things. That's uh, not the right uh, urge. As Lee said on the last qu- uh, question that we were looking at, better to 
to change that channel better to say, look, let's talk about you. I, yes, I understand about the one world government, and we, it, you know, <laughs> no one's really paying attention to it. But let's pay even less attention to it and just focus on you right now. Uh, that's going to be a, always a hundred percent of the time a better way to look at this stuff. Uh, the the next thing is, I don't know how often I may have mentioned this on, on the podcast, but my father actually worked for the space program. And I remember seeing uh, the movie Apollo 13. And as the movie was sort of unfolding, I realized my father had told stories about everyone in this movie around the dinner table for years. Uh, that, the, you know, these were just co-workers to him, just guys he did work stuff with. And so he told those kind of stories you tell about coworkers and whatnot. And, you know, you realize these people are all super famous and well-known and, you know, did things that the whole world was caught up in. And uh, to be able to sit and get him to tell you stories is the most fascinating thing that I, you could possibly imagine. And I would grill him constantly on that. And one time I asked him, you know, Hey dad, uh, you know, you must be tired of talking about this stuff, and I hope I'm not wearing you out. He's like, no, people rarely ask me about this. I said, that can't be right. And he said, no, yeah. I said, well, what do they ask you about? And he says, well, generally when I tell them I work for the space program, the first question almost always is, do I believe in UFOs? <laughs> and you, you just, uh, the level of cringe, you're like, yeah, that can't be right. I mean... I mean, we've got some redneck relatives, and I can picture that. I really can, but surely not. He's like, no, yeah, that's you know. Well, I said, well, what do you tell them? I said, well, you know, I don't, I don't. I tell them I don't believe any of that, and they're like, well, it's been covered up. That's why you don't, you didn't know anything about it. It's been covered <laughs> up. And you know, that's the then part why are you where... asking me about it if you know everything about it? <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> and that's what my dad would melt down. He's like, if the news knew about it. What power on earth would stop them from making money telling that story? That's not, this is how the news works. They don't care if it's 100% true. They'll print it if it sells papers. That's, <laughs> this is how this works. I mean, if they, if they had a news story that came in over the desk that said, you know, that, that their, their mother was uh, uh, from outer space or something, they'd run the story. Later, they would run an editorial piece about, you know, where did all this come from and, you know, whatever. They draw that out over weeks and months or whatever. Uh, but that's the business that they're in. So this idea of there's there's a big cover-up to all this, I think, was always the part that he just couldn't get his mind around. After years of working with the government, the idea that you could keep anything that size, any form of a secret, and just that you could organize that much within any uh, government like our own was just completely insane to him. So I think uh, the point I'm landing on here is if I come to you and I say something conspiracy theory to you, know, the aliens came to Earth and built the pyramids and used it as a storage for grain. Okay, that here's what you would say to that. You would say, that sounds insane. And I would say, well, I read it in the world's least reliable news source. <laughs> but here's what you would be saying. Here's what what you would have back and forth is the other person would be saying, this sounds right to me. And you'd be saying, saying, this sounds wrong to me. And that's 
there's no, that never ends. That never resolves itself. It just, to you, you don't know anything more than that sounds crazy. You weren't there. You didn't see whether, who built the pyramids. You don't, you know, you think you know and you've heard things and whatever, and you feel confident in that, and you're not confident in this person's news source, but it's always going to be a no-win scenario when it's what feels right to you versus what feels right to the other person. So we have to get on something other than that conflict. A really, really excellent point. That is all great stuff from these guys. And let's move on to our final question here, final aspect of Conspiracy Theory Night here on Say That. It says, why are conspiracy theories so attractive? What can I do to make sure I don't fall prey to them? Can I do anything for others? And I think that's a very interesting uh, concept of inoculating. Ironically, on Conspiracy Theories Night, we're talking about a certain kind of vaccination. Yes, we Funny are. Funny how all that works out. And Jed, where would we start off on this one? Well, you know, man, I think one of the most dangerous things in life, and, and, and one that I don't think people think about very often, I don't think Christians think about very often, but one of the most dangerous things in life is boredom. Boredom will mess you up, man. Um, yeah. Boredom is the start of so many backslides. It's the start of so many bad decisions. And especially kind of an existential boredom. Just a... I'm just bored in life. It's not just that I don't have anything to do this afternoon and I'm looking for something to do, you know. Just in life, I just, there's nothing I care about. There's nothing I really want to do. It's just, you know. And don't hear me demonizing people who feel that way. I think if we're honest, I think we've all had moments of that. But what I am saying is that's a moment to be very careful and to be very wary because that is such... um, easy terrain for the devil to mess people up. Um, And so I think we need to wage war on boredom. I I think that we need to make it our business to fill our lives with good and satisfying things. And I want to be clear, that's not the same as being busy. It is possible to be... Hello. It's possible to be extremely busy and extremely bored at the same time. In fact, I think in general, many of the most bored people I know are also often the most busy. Um, The thing I want to encourage you towards is having actual – here's a list that I want you to have in your life. Actual meaning, actual significance, actual fun, actual rest, actual relaxation, actual interests, actual hobbies – People who are very, very busy have almost none of most of those things, much of the time. People who are bored definitely don't have any of those things, and there's a huge crossover. But I want to encourage you to build a life with, with those things, joy and fun and excitement and interests and hobbies and pursuits and adventures, satisfaction. In many ways, if I could encourage you to, to use kind of one metric, because I think it would apply to everything, it would be aim for a life that is satisfying. Um, because yep. fun is satisfying. Service to others is satisfying. A walk with the Lord that is deepening is satisfying. Aim for satisfying. If you live a life chronically that is unsatisfactory to you, whether you think of that as boredom or you would use another word, if you live a life that is chronically unsatisfying, man, you're going to find something to fill that void. 
Um, and nine times out of ten, it is not going to be a good or pretty or happy thing. Um, uh, it, it may or may not be conspiracy theories, but it, it will almost certainly not be something good. It, but here's the thing. You asked what can you do for other people. If you learn how to live a life for yourself that is satisfying, you will have a sense of how to guide other people towards their own satisfying life. That's the best possible inoculation that you can have, that your friends and your loved ones can have, and it's the best gift that you can give them, particularly as it pertains to any of this. That is an excellent place to start off. I love where, where Jed kicked us off there. Glenn, where did we take it from here? Well, you know, there's actually a really good science behind this. There's been actually real research on, on conspiracy theories. If you look that up, and, and if you're interested, you can you know search for it on the Internet. It's there to be, be checked out. But if you look that up, there one of the main people that are vulnerable to conspiracy theories are the uh, are people who are socially isolated and so when you have the entire planet in social isolation it, there's no it's, it's no secret as to how we got where we are but i i think it, we can add to that people who are uh, who feel disrespected mm. Uh, because you know, having that secret knowledge gives you that feeling that there's something respectable and and valuable about you. Um, you know, the whole joke of this is what they don't want you to know is th- that you have been trusted with something because we respect you and we're giving you the secret knowledge that other people don't know and they don't want you to know they're 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 against you but we're for you that kind of thing uh i won't embarrass the 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 uh, particular family member member i'm talking about but i have one that's frequently on all of these different kind of things and that family member's favorite way to start a sentence is well you're probably going to tell me i'm crazy but here's this <laughs> and eventually i got to the point where i said look don't finish that sentence. If if it starts with "I'm probably going to think you're crazy," why would you tell me? You know, you're setting yourself up to get disrespected because you think you are not respected. I respect you now. Don't say anything to ruin that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like you can see it just working in his brain. Just wait, like what? How did you know? Here's what happens is people feel flattered that they know a secret truth that other people don't know. And here's why that's important for you as you're trying to help someone who's caught up in this. What you're trying to do is to take away the thing that makes them feel special. Yep. Mm. That is not going to make you uh, their friend. That's uh, your. What would you gain if you win this argument? And they say, "Yeah, I guess I am completely insane and was desperately wound up in something that was not in any way true." And then I put that on the internet to everyone I know. You're right. That was a completely irresponsible and dumb thing to do. You, you don't want to win that argument and get to that place. Uh, so that it, it, it's really, as these other fellows have been talking about, we need to look at the problem behind the problem. If it's boredom, if it's feeling disrespected, if it's being socially isolated, if it's just you feel like your life doesn't have a lot of meaning, all these things we've touched on, I think what we want to do is to talk to people and say, 
this is how I see you. I love you. I respect you. I care for you. I, I, I think if we can get to that place, then all this other stuff doesn't take root. And they can, at their own leisure, on their own, say, you know, maybe I need to just put that on the back burner and not think about it and talk about it for a while, not go to those websites and just hang out with, with people that, that love me and respect me. I thought maybe they didn't, but now I've, you know, they've taken the time to explain how they feel. So now I don't need to be on these things. That's a really, really excellent place to take that. And Lee, where would you uh, close this out here? Uh, just, just with this, uh, we want somebody to blame when things are awful. Um, when things Amen. are confusing and things are painful and they're suffering, it would be great to be able to understand that in a nice package with a bow on the top, this person is the reason behind this. Yep. Um, and that's one of the reasons that this thing, this, this kind of talk is so attractive is because when you are in a, you know, I mean, we're in the midst of a global pandemic, um, where there are tons and tons of questions, and so when somebody comes and says, I'll tell you some answers, and I'll tell you who's responsible, that sounds really attractive because when I'm confused and I'm disoriented, one of the biggest questions is, wh- where do I aim my frustration and the blame? Yep, um, yep. Here's, here's the troubling thing, and we're going to take this all the way back to where we started, which is the, the godly virtue of humility. Um. When we're out of control of things, it would be so awesome to, to seize back some of that control by knowing who to point the finger at. But humility tells us, I'm really not in control of this, and I really don't know who's responsible. We don't always have a person or a group of people or uh, some situation to point the finger at and blame. We don't know those things. And um, I, I love, near the beginning of the episode, Jed was saying, it actually takes a long time to become an expert on, on really anything. Yeah. And it's very rare that you find somebody that's an expert on three things, much less everything. But um, to even say a sentence like that takes a measure of humility. And it takes, you know, for us to agree with a statement like that, we have to have some humility as well. And the humility says, I would love to be able to seize some control right now because I feel disoriented and I feel confused and I feel afraid. And sometimes I feel um, just off of my square. But um, you know what? I don't always have one person or one group of people to point the finger at and blame. Sometimes things are too complex and too unknowable. There are some things, by the way, that only God knows everything about. And uh, to be able to free yourself from the, from the need to, to be able to understand it all, to be able to uh, control it, to be able to reestablish control or to, or to point the finger and blame, and to be able to, to, to kind of have the frailty and humility to say, I just really don't know. And I, I feel confused and, and I, there's a lot of suffering and pain and I just don't know. I will pray about that, and I will I will put my my questions and my confusion and all of that in the hands of God. Um, 
but I don't need to know everything and I'm, and I'm not going to know everything and I don't need to blame somebody for everything that happens. Um, that's a good place to take that. But I, I do think that's a reason that we see a lot of this kind of, of thing is that in the midst of confusion and pain and suffering, we'd like to know who's responsible. I think it's a really, really strong point. I think that really gets to the heart of a lot of what go, is going on here with this conspiracy theory thing. And I think it also ties into uh, both what Glenn and uh, Jed were saying with the things about meaning and the things about isolation. Um, but even before uh, the COVID pandemic, um, American suburbs, which is where, you know, a lot of these conspiracy theories taking root are maybe one of the most socially isolated places in human history. Yeah. You live in a detached house, you get in your car to maybe drive to your job. You don't interact with anyone who maybe you're not buying something from. Get back in your car, go back to your house. That's um, that's an incredibly isolated existence. That's an existence that may be devoid of a certain amount of meaning. And I think a lot of this ties into a lot of what Lee is saying there of the world is is complex and the world is, to our idea, seemingly random. Um, and one of the things conspiracy theories gives people is not only an explanation, but an explanation with a very clear-cut good guys and bad guys, as Lee is saying there. And uh, what happens eventually, and I think this is what we see a lot with like the social media stuff, is everything in someone's life and everything in their world falls into um, what they might call, uh, sociologists might call, in-group signaling. So... I'm sharing this meme or I'm making this post or I'm seeing this thing. And it's not even about the content of the thing. It's about letting the people who are on this team know I'm on this team and letting the people who are on this team know that I'm not on that team, but they don't know that because everyone who's in my family, who's not on my team has muted me on Facebook a long, long time ago, but that's, that's in my mind. And all this kind of coalesces, in a way that is, is interesting. One of the questions we didn't, we didn't bring it up on the show, but it, it's kind of underlined a lot of this. Someone did ask me this week was why do Christians seem so, so susceptible to this stuff? And I think some of that's a little bit of a false read. Like, uh, you know, we're white suburban Christians. So a lot of our friends are going to be white suburban Christians. You see a lot of them in your Facebook feed, but I think there is some stuff that, that Christianity, that our faith actually, actually gives us in the way We've been talking about this whole episode of a way to to deal with things that don't make sense to us and a way to find a purpose and a way to find real community that conspiracy theory and kind of online provocation gives it takes us all the way back to gives some people a version of that that's stimulating but not satisfying. There's just enough of an itch on uh, a way to deal with mystery and deal with uh, feeling alone and deal with things that are scary. It doesn't really work, but it's on the same track. And I think that that really lands us on the point where we're making this whole episode, which is the best thing you can do for yourself is be aware of these things and be aware of what's real versus not real. And in the long term, the best thing for people in your life you can do is be walking that path. We talk about this on the show a lot. You can't talk someone off their nonsense most of the time, but you can be in the position that when they realize that they have been on some nonsense, you can be the one who's set up to help them. That's what we want for you. That's the person we want you to be in the long term. And that comes from, as, as we've been talking about all night, it's worth, not, it's not worth doing the, you know, the eight hour YouTube video 
to really understand whether the earth is a trapezoid or not. That's not, that's not worth doing. It's worth looking and thinking about why does this person think this? What are they getting out of this? What does this give someone? What might be attractive to me about a worldview where someone just offers, you know, those people you hate anyway, it turns out they eat children and are responsible for the economy <laughs> collapsing. Isn't that mm. funny? It, I knew aren't, it. Aren't, yeah. Aren't you interested in sharing lots of poorly made mm, nigh on ununderstandable memes about that all day now that you have been furloughed from your work? But uh, thinking those things through how we can have empathy, how we can move and what we can offer someone and what we can do for ourselves that is real, that is actually uh, going to tie us into God and give us these things we want is all great stuff to think about. If you have more questions on this or anything else, you can drop us a line at setpodcast at gmail.com or thebridgechicago.tumblr.com if you want to keep that totally anonymous. We are going to take you out with a song this week. This is from a gentleman who recently appeared on our live bridge podcast. This is our buddy mm. DJ Anden Rock, who uh, we closed out uh, with a couple shows ago with one of his remixes that was yep. so popular that the people demanded more. Well, yep. here's more. And luckily, we have more. We have a take on uh, this is a song we recorded for Bridgebox quite a while ago with a uh, uh, vocals by Galen Warren from Oak Ridge, Tennessee, called This Time Is Different. DJ Anden Rock gave us a little remix of that. Take out that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Coming this pandemic to a laptop near you, Hitler 2 electric boogaloo. This time, the mole men are on our side. <laughs> I've always felt when I...